Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hello again, Egg Chasers. It's the second podcast of a week. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we can't get enough. Yeah, there's no internationals happening. Yeah, there was Premiership and Pro 14 games. We still managed to talk about that for two and a half hours. <laughs> was it that long? <laughs> yeah, it was. It wow. Was. <laughs> Unbelievable. We, that, well, that's how much we're cherishing being in each other's company once again. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, uh, but, but yet we're back. Uh, but not be- not because we are driving the agenda here. Actually, this podcast is going to be driven by you. So thank you very much to everybody that has got in touch, uh, emailing their thoughts, starting points, nuggets of information, stories to contacteggchasers at gmail.com. And um, I think we'll get straight into it. Uh, firstly, evening, Phil. Hello. Good evening, Tim. Evening and evening, JB. Good evening. Right, uh, you're going to love this first email from it's either Matt Keeley or Matt Kiley. I apologise. Um, I've said it both ways, so I cover all bases. Uh, it's, and, 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 and do excuse me for indulging with this email. I think you'll I think you all appreciate it. Um, as someone who's enjoyed the pod for years, I thought it was about time to say thank you. I regularly look forward to starting off the week listening to you back and forth about all things rugby. Uh, blah blah blah. I'll cut out all the compliments. Uh, you've accompanied my dog Hansy and I on countless walks across the magnificent Somerset countryside. I use these walks to switch off and put the world to rights in my head. See what you should be on Twitter instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, so Matt says six years ago, in my early thirties, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and subsequently had to give up playing rugby. I've since found new passions along the way, but still miss the sport as I'm sure many others do when they stop playing. Listening to your stories and anecdotes conjures up memories of my own experiences playing low-level rugby in England and South Africa, and in some ways the three of you gents have unwittingly helped me to adapt to life as it is now, which... Wow. Yeah, incredible. Wow. Uh, Have a listen to this, though. Besides thanking you for the pod, I do have to ask that you be more careful with what you preach from the dungeon, as it is a platform of persuasion... Last last February, just prior to COVID wreaking havoc across the world, I found myself in New York with my wife and our good friends. We met for drinks before catching a show on Broadway, and on the cocktail menu, I saw Negroni. No, you didn't. Uh Uh-oh. Never having tried one, but hearing so many rave reviews, (laughs) I ordered one. Let me tell you, that first sip was worse than getting told I had Parkinson's. (laughs) Oh my goodness! <laughs> I think they've got the power to ruin once a once a lifetime trips down here. 
uh, wow. my all-time favourite sentence anyone sent us. <laughs> sent us. I'm fairly certain that if COVID didn't didn't emerge from a bat cave in China, it might rather have spawned from the depths of that Negroni glass in Manhattan. I can only apologise to the cast of Hamilton, who will have looked out... Hamilton? Ad- how do you get tickets for that? How the Who's audience this guy? To see a disgusted-looking Englishman battle to purge my taste buds of the horror that I'd gone before. Uh, Matt Keeley slash Kylie. Again, I apologise for the pronunciation. Amazing email, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Matt. Incredible story, remarkable email. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you tried the Negroni. Yes, yeah. you, you, it makes you stronger. <laughs> uh, got anything there, gents? Well, uh, I mean, we've got about fifty questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> fifty emails. Many of them have multiple questions. Multiple. Baked well, into okay, questions. Well, do, you, do you want to start with another drink-related story? Yes, <laughs> do I? So you were in Kyoto for England v USA, weren't you? This is correct. at the World Cup in 2019. Uh, it was. Oh no, we were K- Kobe. Kobe, not Kyoto. Okay. Oh right, no. Oh, this is a Scotland fan who was in Kyoto and was going out to watch on the telly in Japan ah, the England okay. v USA game. This is Miles Hunter. Uh, he says um, he, he was a Scotland fan uh, with his best mate, an Irish fan, watching the England v USA game, which you were at, falling asleep, chatting to World Rugby. Um, <laughs> uh, they an- encountered a fantastic group of Aussie, Scots, French and English fans, and things spiralled out of control when we cracked open bounti- bountiful strong zeros before hitting the bars. Bountiful. Until suddenly, in seemingly the blink of an eye, it had gone from around 11.30pm to broad daylight and I was no longer in a bar but staggering around a subway station with no phone, no bag, no passport for which some stupid reason I'd taken with me and no best mate. But thank goodness I still have my wallet and subway pass. In a state of confusion and fear, I made it back to the Airbnb with the help of some very kind locals hoping to find my... I gather that's one thing that's consistent thing. Everyone said the, 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 the Japanese public, albeit even with hammered Brits and Aussies and stuff, they were amazing hosts. Generally speaking, in, yeah. Yeah, they're very nice. They're very, they're, they're very level. I would say is the way they they seem to be too too one way or the other. Uh, we never had any any negative experience. I don't at really all. remember speaking to many people. Do you? Uh, um, <laughs> other than kind of bar, bar staff waiters, yeah, um, who were all very nice, really nice, incredibly nice because of the almost the culture of going out to drink and get drunk, so that most of the locals would. Like regularly, just pass out at the table halfway through dinner. Yeah. They're, they're more British than we are, aren't they? In a lot of ways. more reserved and more drunk. Miles says he was um, brutally hungover, uh, tired, managed to kip essentially on the street in the baking sun for a couple of hours, hoping his friend would turn up. Then, like a mirror, mirage, about noon, his mate came striding up the drive towards me, but something was wrong. He was flanked by three police officers. Oh God! He was only in his t-shirt, boxers, and a pair of slippers provided by the police but he did have his clip on his bag with the Airbnb key, but was also missing his phone. The police explained to me he'd been found asleep in someone's garden, half-dressed, having tried to enter the homeowner's car, who then understandably called the police. Mercifully, the police found it absolutely hilarious and assured me he was not in trouble. They just wanted him safely returned to his accommodation. Well, if, uh, if you sleep in a restaurant or in a park or a subway sleeping station... sleeping is a massive thing there. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. Don't sleep in someone else's garden no. and then try and <laughs> get I'm, into their honestly, car. Honestly, we were in a pretty high-end restaurant in Tokyo and two what I described as middle-class ladies... Middle-class, middle-aged ladies... Yeah. ...at, like, 9pm on a Sunday evening... Yeah, not just nodding off. Just as in a pretty high-end bar before going elsewhere and me and my friend are having a drink and we're looking at this guy in a suit who's just finished a, you know, a plate of food he's got 
a martini in front of him and pushes one side and just nods off on his chair. It happens all the time. I've been chucked out of mojos for doing that. <laughs> I know. You, you, you fall asleep in it around here. Game over. Yeah. No no sympathy from the uh, serving yeah. staff. No. Um, bounces around here. A little power nap. Then then people... I mean, it's, it's just bad business because give them a power nap, disco nap, and they'll be ready for another couple of... Exactly no, right. Another couple of rounds and... Uh, um, I've, I've been employing that strategy for years. Yeah. The short power nap and then off you go. Absolutely. Thank you, Miles Hunter, for your email. So I've got a quick one. Oh, yes, here, please, Phil. Um, that hopefully you two could answer because certainly I've got no idea. But it says, this is from Ben Perkins. He says, Hey, JB, Tim, and Phil, just joined the Patreon. Thank you very much, Ben. Um, glad you have a channel to give back after all this time. Yeah, rightly so. Um, and here's a question a little radical question for the pod. And he wants to reformat the scrum to a 4 3 1. Ooh. And he says the pros, scrum force is dispersed but not reduced. So, same amount of power, same amount of people, but spread across. Okay. Um, so, you, you only have one row. flank? Uh, you'd have one. So, four in the front. Yeah. So, fo- effectively, oh, two. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Four at the front. Two yeah. hookers, two props, then three behind them. So, three kind of second rows, albeit it might be one <laughs> lock and two flankers. And then one, more, one number eight, one more back big row. lads, love more, it. Yep. Okay. Uh, so num- point one, number one, force dispersed but not reduced. Mm-hmm. Point number two, uh, fewer loose forwards for better attacking platform. So number eight can pick and go. Yep. And number three is extra big man at the front to free up more space, more space in open play. Let the boys play. Would love, would just love to see someone try it. Interesting. Much like the no knock on uh, rule, I would love to see stuff like that just. I'd love to see what a game would look like. So, my question there would be, what? Uh, what's the listener's name? It's Ben. Ben Perkins. I'd like to know what position Ben plays. So I can tell you, if yes, you want. Yes, do, uh, do you want to guess what position he Wing. plays? Wing. Or, uh, fullback. Close. Centre. 13. 13, right. He, said, okay. I'm out, he says, I'm an outside centre. No idea how this affects scrum mechanics, or if it's even possible. I just want to see fewer collapsed scrums <laughs> and more ball. So, okay. So, what he's suggesting is not beyond the pale. Back in the day, the scrums used to be two and then three. So, you have two front rows and three second rows. That's how it first started. Is that way back in the day? Way back in, like in the, the day, yeah, yeah. So I don't know where I, the other I guys want, went. I think century. I probably played mini rugby before you guys, and I played mini rugby when a scrum was two, you had a hooker and a one prop. Yep. And the number eight went between the two uh, the, the two front row, and then you had one flanker. It was a scrum of four. Four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So if you're, I, I can't recall seeing that. If you're training to do scrummaging, you'll do one versus one, and yep. you'll do two versus one. This is like RFU... Uh, mandated uh, coaching and some of it to be fair I have my criticisms of the RFU and some of the things they cook up uh, their Scrum Factory course which they run is actually you know, pretty good it's got some good ideas anyway the reason I bring that up is because what he's suggesting is not in- entirely mental um, and it's not actually that far from what happens now so if you watch some of the scrummaging that goes on you'll often see a uh, a flanker a six will bind onto the loose head, the yeah. oppos- as in the opposite loose so head to support m- his tight head. Yes, yeah, so you make that loose head like a second tight head prop. So we want it to look like a four-two-two, two. Uh, and yeah, it's, I tell you, he's very good at it, Peter Romani. No, yeah, I, t- I tell you Peter what, this Romani would be: is. you have a, a tight head hooker and a loose head hooker. Oh, uh, now you're talking perfect. <laughs> and then you've got a tight head lock, a tight tight head lock, and a loose head lock. Exactly right. Yeah. Oh no, you've got actually you've got. 
three tight head log- locks, but one of them's a double tight head. Double. Oh, how'd you cut? No, we're gonna have to rename it. <laughs> I think you'd have to. Number eight would have to be well, between the tight head lock and the loose head well, lock, so and then you'd have a loose forward. Think about it, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head now. The reason that you don't, it doesn't look like that, is because you have your eight, and he's sat in the what we call the one channel. Okay, so between not between the two second rows, but between, between the, the flank second and the row second and a flanker. Row, yeah. 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 So you do that for the quick strike from the from the loose head. It's the quickest way out. Yeah, I think it's the best way to, to launch an attack. In Premiership clubs don't do that too much anymore. It's ridiculous. The, num- the number eight scrummage and push. Yeah, yeah, and they should. Well, Ireland, how about this? Ireland allegedly build their scrum from the eight, and the reason they build their scrum from the eight is to prevent what they term social loafing. If you've come across that, <laughs> so, so that, that's a psychological term. Yeah, social yeah. loafing. So yeah, it's like basically because, just because you're in a letting, crowd. letting other people do the work. Yes, yes. hiding. Yeah. Because the eight will often not do the work. So if you start the scrum with the eight, so the psychology is the push is coming from the eight. Anyway, so you can't put the eight into what you'd call that three gap because the route from the hooker all the way back wouldn't quite work. But what you can do is you can push up your flanker, and particularly if you've got a loose head that likes to come around and work an angle, well, he opens up his flank, he opens up his rib cage, and then a Peter Omani type who does it great. Well, come underneath that and make your front row into a three. So you then basically get a three, three, two, or something like that, or a three. Well, front row into a four. Really. Sorry, what did I say then? Yeah, yeah, yeah a four, four, three, yeah. or a four, three, one, or a four, two, two. Yeah, but if you're going to do that, you, that might be an argument for moving your eight all the way across to the gap, which I've never seen used ever, which would be the three gap. Or, or maybe, or maybe you you should have the eight people, but much like a line out. The, the t- <laughs> just let the team choose the formation. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the attacking team calls it. <laughs> yeah. And then the defensive like, team has to face up. Well, I don't know what the laws say about this. I don't know if the laws say has to be three on each side. I don't know if it's... I mean, I imagine it's codified. I'd need to check. I, I would have thought so, the, as in the positions of the scrum are codified. And, and the bind, where yeah. the binds have to be. Yeah, but binding, I mean, binding is one of those things which nobody knows about, really. I mean, there's so many binds. Right, and also the... The, the swan bind? The, the angry yeah, swan bind? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the binding free kicks and penalties are only ever given at junior level. Yeah. No senior referee bothers, or, or no, no senior, like, at sort of high-level referee ever bothers with binding call, but it's always one of those pedantic... It's always one of those pedantic yeah. calls that, like, level eight and, refs make. And also, there are some really difficult... Decisions refs, refs have got to make. Yeah. So imagine that you are looking at an eight, right? And the eight has got his hands on the shorts of his second rows. One so eight. he's like, like holding the reins of a chariot. Yes, Two exactly. horses. Yeah, yeah per- perfect example. Now, is that ball out when the eight lets go? Because if it is, when he lets go, if I'm a flanker, I'm going to be looking straight across at his hands. And my key to move is when I see the hands up. Boom, you can go. So you clarify that with the ref. Now, the problem is, when you ask the ref, when is it out? They go, uh, well, um, they're not too sure. The answer is when the hands are up. But if they say, well, when the ball is up... Yeah, when, day, daylight, when there's daylight under the ball. Well, yes, but, I mean, if, if that's really what they mean, technically, the eight can take his hands off and then reach for the ball. But if he doesn't touch the ball, is, is the eight still in? Because ultimately... Well, the ball would be out. No, it wouldn't. Well, as in the no, ball, the no ball would be out because the ball would be out of the no, scrum. Well, if he says daylight... Yeah, yeah no, no, I agree. I, you I could understand. literally detach yeah. from... Because the change was made for Rooks uh, only a few years ago now because it used to be... Hands on. As, yeah, hands yeah. on and the ball's out. So the scrum off would kind of get set and then he'd brush the ball with a fingertip and then get absolutely nailed. Yeah. Whereas now it is he's got to pick it up, which... As, a, actually... for, as a former back row and, and occasional <laughs> hooker, that, that, those are the laws I liked. 
Yeah, so what you well, do is yeah. you have to, if you're an eight, instead of hold, binding on the top of the shorts of the uh, second row, you bind, if you imagine, on the inside, so you're hiding. But so then, you can't see. Yeah, you've got a weaker bind. Yeah, so then, I'm, then you'll be looking at the flanker saying, okay, I don't see his hands on top, they must be underneath, and therefore... He's not pushing. Why is he not pushing? Because he wants to go for a little run. Go. Actually, what it comes down to is the scrum half just calls when the ball's out, and that's what you listen to. Yes, yes. Because they're in the best position of all. So, to, to wrap it, that up, yeah, maybe, maybe not a totally crazy idea. I'd, I'd quite like to see it. Well, yeah. See how it actually works. Why not? It, it, won't, ha- it won't happen, no. but I love the radical thinking. Absolutely. Mm. Well, I have a question here from Otis Donnelly. He simply asks this. How good would, would the England Saxons be if they competed in, in the Six Nations? And where, and where would they finish? That's a great question. They finish <laughs> above, above Italy. They finish fifth. Yeah, I, I, I think I think they'd finish fifth. I think they finish. I think potentially, you look at the England Saxons at the moment and say they, they finish above England. <laughs> <laughs> on, who's, on who's coaching them? Don Brandt, Smith, <laughs> Simmons, Simmons. I mean, it's not Sam James. Luke James. Oh my word! Can you imagine? <laughs> I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to give too much. I, I don't want to give too much away. But I am a um, a big old history nose as well as a rugby nose, mm. and I'm trying to bring the two together uh, to exa- rugby history to Ooh. to examine. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want because the, the way it's working at the minute is videos that I make for YouTube about four days later. Rugby pass. Pass off as articles of their own. Yeah, uh, I saw us today. Controversial. So, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, what, follow us on YouTube if you want to get content from Rugby Pass in four days' time. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby Pass are my good friends, by the way. No, no, no. They're great. They're great. They're great. I don't know. I, again, I don't know who was responsible for that. Whether it was the guy writing it. I, I'm. Fl- oh, I've got names. I, I'm flattered. I've, I've, I've got names. I feel. I <laughs> yeah. feel flattered. I feel incredibly flattered. Imitation they... is the most sincere form of flattery, as, as the old saying goes. So I don't want to say too much in case someone steals my thunder. But I'm a massive history nose and a rugby nose, and I'm trying to just examine. I'm looking at the characteristics of the of the end of civilizations and empires Uh-oh. and trying to just look at how they relate so to are you gonna do re- that, relate to Eddie Jones. Are you going to do that thing that um, people with a side interest do, which is try and view the whole world through their lens? So like yeah. feminist history. Yeah. We're now going to do exactly uh, what I'm doing, yeah. like, like, like rugby history. It's exactly or what like I'm doing, uh, yeah. negative Owen Farrell rewriting of uh, Oh, history. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly what I'm doing. Oh, excellent. So, so um, the Saxons. Saxons, yes, indeed. Um, I th- it's an interesting one because I think if you just drop them in, they would finish fifth. Partly because of a very, uh, very astute point by um, your good friend Ben Darwin, which is contractual stability. Now, if you just throw together a Saxon team that has Simmons, who's never played with Marcus Smith and never played with Don Bran or half the other players in the team, then it's not immediately going to click. If they become a recognised independent team of their own and they have the same stability that England or Ireland or Wales have had over the last few years, then they could actually probably be competitive and just look at the number of players oh, who oh, have gone to are. other nations who and have been successful who wouldn't, who arguably wouldn't even be in the Saxons off, team. Off the top of my head, Abano, Dunn, Williams, Ribbons, Coles, uh, Beaumont. Potentially, yeah. And then you've got Ben Curry. Yeah, Ben Curry. Alex Dombrandt, Sam Simmons as your back row. Tamon Harrison. Randall and Marcus Har- Smith. Harry Randall, Marcus Smith. Uh, Piers O'Connor. Oh, my word. And Paolo Adogwu. Ollie Thorley. Yeah. <laughs> this is absolutely class. Look, if you had just a brand new nation and those were the boys that you had, you'd be expecting a 
Top two, top three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, actually, nah, I don't... Maybe not top two, top three, but you'd, you'd be expecting competition. in every game. Yeah, yeah. You'd because be expecting... Like, you know, if those boys were all Welsh qualified, they'd all be playing for, well, for Wales. Every one of them. No, Do, they wouldn't. Oh, come on. Wales play with bloody if, Thomas Francis and... Well, the problem is if all Nick of Tompkins. them... If, if, if you pick any three of those who are Welsh qualified, they probably would be. Yeah. I mean, maybe not on mass because Wales do have other players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but right. you, you pick, you pick any, any random three. You Except pick... in the back row and probably second row as well. I don't know. If Ben uh, Curry was available. Yeah, I mean, both of them Sam got Simmons called. Simmons wouldn't get in ahead of Tipper. It. Sam Simmons, in a lot of ways, is a little bit similar to uh, Di Young's lad, whatever his name is. Thomas Young. Th- Thomas Young. Like, explosive, smaller guy. He's more of a seven, obviously. Sometimes it is an eight, but it's that kind of guy. So maybe he doesn't walk in. I think Ben uh, Ben Curry does. So I think strolls in. I think a fair few of that, that, those that you've just listed, yeah. Marcus Smith, would make strolls it. in. Marcus Smith gets into any team. Marcus well, Smith he gets, gets in the squad. Into, gets into the All Blacks. Ooh, he doesn't know. start for them. Moonga, Moonga is Moonga and Bodie B. Uh, Bodie, yeah, but yeah, they can play with Moonga is. Mulder starts. Bodie B stay, uh, stays at fifteen. Yeah, I think Marcus he gets in the squad. He, he he would be in the in the squad in in the same way that uh, Damian McKenzie obviously He's gets very similar in the, to, the, to Damian gets McKenzie. in the All Black squad. It's a, it's a great question. Thank you very much. Uh, hi to Ian Burbridge, who's emailed. Remember, it's contactdavechasers at gmail dot com. We do these from time to time, where we just go through your correspondence. And he says, um, firstly. Do you remember a couple of weeks back you were you were mentioning a mate of yours missed uh, rugby on Valentine's Day because he went to see Matilda the Musical? I do remember that, yes. I remember it well. James yeah. Howarth, his name is. Yeah, well, uh, Ian, who's in the Peak District, said, you need to back off Matilda the Musical. It's an absolute banger. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I bet I bet JB's a Cats type of person. <laughs> right, so I have got a mixed history with, with musicals. I mean, I hate the arts. Quite, quite <laughs> I was forced to see Starlight Express with school. It was awful. I mean, it was literally one of the worst experiences ever. I've seen Avenue Q, awful. Um, I have seen what I enjoyed. I, I'm not a big fan of musicals, but one I do like that I've seen a couple of times that um, that's it's it's a great musical, but it doesn't feel like a musical. Is Blood Brothers? It's great. Interesting. Yeah, I did see that with school. So I feel the same way about musicals because I think they're for women. As I think women <laughs> feel, on, on International Women's Day, yeah, yeah. celebrating the arts. As I think women feel about wrestling, right? <laughs> I think women look at look at WWE and they go, "That is absolutely ridiculous." What can fake I nonsense. Fake, fake, not stage managed. Fake, fake nonsense. <laughs> uh, there are pe- there are women that are interested in WWE in very much the same way that men are interested in musicals. It, it's it's like Sex and the City is for women. And Entourage is Sex and the City for men. It's yes. exactly the same thing. Wrestling is musicals for women. Uh, musicals for men. <laughs> for men. <laughs> That's the way you've got to think about it. That's an interesting thought, JB. Yeah. So uh, I, I've got a musical recommendation. Oh, go on. You, you might have seen it. It is unbelievably good. And what? It's Book of Mormon. Oh, that's oh yeah, that is a musical, isn't it? Yes, I've seen Book that. Book of Mormon is outrageous. By South Park guys. Yes. Correct. Oh. Uh, and it was made all the more enjoyable by the fact that I love that the, the one time I've seen it. Clearly, there are some people that go along to that not knowing what to expect, yeah. and three people left. Yeah, in, in my nervous more three people left halfway through. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. We, we had a, a few people walk out. Interesting. I, I'm feeling that I did see a play or something, and I liked it, but it's made such an impression on me. I can't remember what that play would be. 
<laughs> You'd remember it if it was Book of Mormon. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Slightly different to most musicals. Yeah. Does General Butt Naked mean anything to you? No. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, you, you'd enjoy that one, Jamie. That would convert you to musicals. Uh, um, and then Ian goes on to say, um, well, he says he's gutted relegation's been scrapped, and he actually is a Tigers fan. He thinks relegation might be the only thing to help him have a clear out. Well, things are looking better since you sent your email a few weeks back, so, you know, mm. I'll hold your thought on that one. And then he says, lastly, sorry if this makes me sound like a moron. No, I like this, because if you're asking it, Ian, then there'll be other people that think the same thing. Mm. But what is with the what is the new thing with refs asking to know who the receiver is at a line-out. Is it the first receiver they're asking about, uh, off the top they're asking about, or do they need to know this, and why did it change? I think they're asking who the scrum half, who who, who is the scrum half, Ah. or in the scrum half position. I was going to say, they can't tell him that. No, exactly. We're going middle, sir. Um, (laughs) Can I I explain that? Yeah, go go for it. Yeah, they are are saying that because you you traditionally have your scrum half outside of the line-out to drop it down. But sometimes you want to put a forward there, and the reason you put the forward there is because if they match up against you with a scrum half, and you've got, say, six lads in a line-out plus a seventh guy out, and they've got six lads in a line-out plus a scrum half out, technically when your two packs come together in a mall, you would think that you have the advantage because you have all eight of your forwards available, while, say, you uh, only have seven of theirs also, they don't want you doing things like messing about. Like you see, men to do this a lot. They will, if they go into say a five-man lineout, they will lift a back pod, and then they go, "No, actually, we don't want that back pod." And they'll run the receiver into the line, and as he runs into the line, the back pod will then come out of the line. He becomes a scrum half. The front, the the former receiver is now a lineout jumper. He's completely unmarked. Yeah. Up he goes down and down. And, and to try and simplify that, if it needs it. Uh, the the forward who's standing in the position of scrum half normally would be can then either hit can either get the drive set much quicker or can step in and swap for someone to then jump which is basically a, yeah. a one sentence version of that which would you know just in case it went over your head because uh, it went over mine a little bit even though I know rugby not a go. criticism of you that's me mm. that's me um, um is that everything from Ian yeah, yeah thank you Ian so so um Silly questions, or potentially silly questions. This is one from uh, Ollie Bass or Ollie Bass. Um, done Base, it bo- the bass man. Done it both ways, so uh, can't, can't, be, can't be wrong, or can be wrong, but um, must get it right. Bass man. Um, so he says, maybe silly, but something worth discussing. Why is it a penalty if you drive a team backwards at the scrum? I feel too many scrums are ending in a penalty. Wouldn't it make sense if the ball is put into the middle of the scrum, then the hooker hooks... The ball, team that can push you the forward, hook the ball. You don't get a penalty for driving a team back 10 metres in a mall. Um, so, so okay. the, I, in my, I'm not a big scrum guy, but I think the answer to this is providing the team being driven back 10 does not commit a foul, That's i.e. Exactly no one unbinds, none of their props or hookers pop up, then you can drive them back the whole way down the pitch. Um, yeah. Northampton with... Uh, Brian Mujati and Tonga Weir. Tonga Weir, yeah. Did, there was there's some videos of some amazing like twenty thirty meter scrums where the opposition team basically stay bound and just suck it up. Yeah. So, so yeah. So there's a couple of things there, isn't there? So first of all, it might be a safety thing. The ref might say, "I'm not having 
a team on my watch gets so badly battered because you're so unstable, you can fall backwards, horrific things can happen, if it, and have happened, actually, yeah, in, if it's, if it, in scrums. So, if you have the weight of eight guys piling into, yeah. if they do then crumble and fall, yeah. So you got that? Yeah. yeah. The second thing is just the involuntary power of that scrum. So one of the hardest skills in scrummaging, in my mind, is to go backwards legally. It's bloody difficult. Well, it's an because e- you've got the guys e- behind you pushing you, have- you forwards yeah. Yeah. and the guys in front of you pushing you backwards. Yeah. And the only time I've seen it really done effectively was the Franks boys getting absolutely pumped by South Africa. And they were going backwards not giving away a scrum. And they were going backwards fast. Yeah. And that's really impressive. It's, a, it's almost also a bit of an ego thing. Props, it's... It's the nearest you get to a one-on-one man versus man situation in yeah. rugby, and these are the the biggest alpha male list of all rugby players. It, it's the best; they are the best positions on the park. And they, they an ego thing. They don't want to, so they'll try and find ways to make it look like they're not illegal when they are illegal. Well, the last one is just pragmatic, which yeah. is: is it better to go back a whole half a field at the hands of Brown majority? Or is it better to fall on your face? And sometimes when you're losing the battle, just fall, fall on your face. It's, e- it's easier. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Got one here. Well, go on, JB. Have you got one? Yeah, not so much a question, but um, related to um, our chat about Toby Flood. And this one comes from Tom Sparks. Talupe Flood. Talupe Flood, yes, right. Uh, <laughs> he's one of four brothers. He's the oldest at 36, and the others are triplets, 33. So my parents decided on two middle names for myself, Thomas Edward, and three for each of my brothers. So Rollo, Hugh, Stephen, Charles, George, Henry, William, Peter, James. Sorry, I thought you were saying that this was uh, Toby Flood had three brothers that were no um, no person emailing. Oh yeah, because the, yeah. the discussion was about all of Toby Flood's middle names. Exactly. Sorry, so, yes. so give me the give me the middle names again for the it, right. the listeners' three twin so, brothers: Rollo, Hugh, Stephen. Love it. Charles, George, Henry, nice. William, Peter, James. Now, he points out that these are not the longest names, but combined as a front row, it might be the longest named front row. <laughs> and that is important, because they all play front row. Oh, wow. Uh, with two identical ones playing prop, and Rodo playing hooker. I d- that's, nice. That is one thing I do love. If you, if you are maybe uh, brother with or twin of like a Dupree type thing and you occupy a whole unit of a team yeah. like, I'm absolutely convinced my brother's kids so he's 6 foot 6 uh, his wife my sister-in-law is 6 foot 1 the, <sighs> the, <laughs> wow the two boys that they have are going to be giants free, they're absolute freaks already so <laughs> to the point that you feel like you have to when you're out at the park and stuff you feel like you have to explain to other parents He's only five. Because <laughs> he, he's just got this giant kid behaving like a five-year-old. But on, I reckon they're going to be two second, second rows. So, it's Lucy's age, bloody hell. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, watch out for the Rouses yeah. in this, the future. This one from Ross Digby Patel, uh, who... Well, this is off the back of the Wales-England game, and so I'm glad that enough time has passed that Ross Digby Patel might have calmed down a bit because Ross was not happy. I write in the aftermath of what is, in my opinion, the most shambolic refereeing performance since the TMO in the World Cup final in 2007 and Judge Cueto's need to be in touch. (laughs) Um, He he mentions a few things, but I'm just going to pick up on this one. Um, Aside from the... He says, I feel it impossible not to condemn the disgraceful officiating in the Wales v England match this afternoon. So this this was raw and fresh at the time. So dreadful was it, by all four involved, referee assistants, TMO, it's led me to believe the only... that. 
he's being flippant here, I think. Uh, it's led me to believe that only impartial referees, say, from Bangladesh, should be allowed to officiate from now on. <laughs> <laughs> or else, and I th- this, is, this is the point I want to pick up on, or else there ought to be a DRS-type system in place for captains to prevent uh, decisions. Now, the reason I mention this is, in Super Rugby AU, have they not got a yes, ca- captain's they challenge they have. along this line? Yes, I'm pretty sure they have. I can't, Super Rugby AU, AU which, yes. which I've hardly watched any, did have more law variations. They, they did the 50-20, they did... Or was it... After one of them's done the goal line dropout as well, hasn't it? For if you're held up over the opposition's try line instead of being like a rugby league scrum. goal line dropout, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. As a well, couple of the variations, but let so me check that one. I, I believe there is a captain's challenge in Australia, and so let's let's keep an eye on how that looks, Ross, because I wouldn't be against it. Um, as I thought, what one thing just on the refereeing decision, I don't know if you've seen Scott Parker the Fulham football manager talking about VAR recently. No. There's one little video that was doing the rounds. He does look good, good in his coat though, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He's very well dressed. Yeah, he is very well dressed. Uh, he he basically just... Um, I think it is a... It might be a cautionary tale in football at the minute and if you look at what Scott Parker had to say, I think he was very eloquently put it. Careful what you wish for and if we want to get everything amazingly perfect all the time, you might actually inadvertently remove a bit of the fun and a bit of the emotion and I know it came down the wrong side for you Ross but the, the and, fact that, and me yeah. the fact that we had those feelings in the in the aftermath of Wales England whilst it was unjust it's, it's like watching a great box set sometimes yeah. and now, and also, now it, I'm distanced from it. it it doesn't hurt and and also if it was appealed I'm not entirely sure they win well so this, a, is, yeah, this is the right. thing yeah because if it's appealed presumably it just goes back to the TMO and the referee anyway. Yeah. So, so I'm just reading Super Rugby Arturoa in 2021. It might be AU as well. But Super Rugby Arturoa have got a captain's referral, which is captains have 10 seconds after a try has been scored to make their referral. The TMO will then be able to go back to the last stoppage in play, regardless of how many phases have been played. So mm. traditionally, it's three phases prior to a try being scored. Foul play referrals can be made after any stoppage of play if captain believes foul play has been missed captain must reference specific incidents or infringements uh, footage must be clear oh, and those clear are the only obvious. ones that can be investigated uh, the yeah, specific the thing presumably yeah the captain must reference this might just be the foul play yeah but captain must okay. reference specific incidents yeah okay. and the scrum and line out are not included in the referral process so, presumably because there's so many infringements generally yeah. at scrum and, and in line the NFL anyway. there are decisions like judgment calls on refs that you can't you can't look at so like, if you are stepping on the line, well, that's an obvious because I'm binary, is he in or out? Yeah. But if it's something else where it's a judgment call and can't think of one of the, what one of those laws would be right off the top of my head, but you can't challenge that. Was it fully caught before it was fu- before it was knocked out and fumbled? Yeah, something like that. Something like yeah, that. something like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily hate the, the, ish, the, um, the suggestion, but I don't actually think it would... Unless there's something different to the, how it's done in Arturo, I don't think it would actually have changed mm. the outcome in the, the England-Wales game. Yeah. Right. Uh, sh- sh- Shall yeah. I do one? Yeah, crack on. So this is from Oliver Cousins. And he's mentioning uh, all the podcasts that he listens to, which are basically just ours, just, just, just us. <laughs> um, and he asks, basically, uh, does the 25k match fee um, become counterproductive for England? He references a interview with, with Mike Brown where 
Mike Brown says the England team got a little bit clicky. Now, I will point out this. If anyone's going to know what a click looks like or feels like, <laughs> it will be someone from Harlequins. Uh, so the theory here is it must be quite tempting if there's 25k on the line to accidentally run someone's foot over in the you know baggage handling area with your trolley or whatever it may be. And a really interesting story here is uh, one of Dylan Hartley not entirely being sure that he was England number two. Someone, oh, sorry, yeah, number two as in the number one number two. Right? Yeah, the first choice hooker. Yeah. First choice hooker. Someone brought this up in a meeting. So Eddie Jones allegedly put the shirts 1 to 23 down on the floor and told the players to go where, where they thought they deserved to go. I have heard that yeah. anecdote wow. from Eddie, Eddie Jones. Yeah. And Jamie George went to the subs. So instead of having that awkward conversation, Dylan Hartley started. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is it's pretty brutal doing that. You learn something about the team. Yeah. You so, learn something about the hierarchy. Like there's there's confidence and then there's hierarchy in a situation like that. Mm. You've got to back yourself, though, though haven't you? Y- yes. But with the hierarchy situation, it's... Uh, that that it's was, a fa- it'd be fascinating psychological yeah. um, experiment. That that is like a nearly fully grown male in a, in a pride, just going, nah, I, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm, I, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give the main man a wide berth. I'm gonna, uh, I'll let him hump all the women. So, <laughs> it, that story in particular is a funny one because so many teams bang on about culture. And you know we're all the maybe not so much in rugby. It's not like we're all equal, but you know we're all special. We all care about each other. It's a bigger picture that we're fighting for. Yada 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 yada. But at the end of the day, you've got to start games and you've got to be a competitive beast. And the culture has to run out somewhere pretty quickly. It, it has to be a meritocracy. Yeah. Sport has to be a meritocracy. So I don't, I don't dislike the the twenty five k, albeit it's reduced to seventeen k. Uh, covid pay cuts because it's a reflection of what there is of, of reality so i wonder if this question is more does a 25k per match create cliques because if you're a starter obviously you're on a lot more money than the guy in the squad who is now 25k down well, it's a little bit like uh, so uh, so i'm going to use an analogy here it's a little bit basically like does it lead to a kind of crony capitalism type thing which isn't actually capitalism but it sort of uh, things can get a little bit corrupted by just being able to defend your continuous profits at at the expense of others perhaps yeah i mean look if there's 25k 25k on the line being candid i'm thinking about that before i think about the good of the team i want to start now subs also get the 25k right so it's not as if it's just 25k for you but you want to be in that team. But you want to be in the team anyway. I think the bigger problem with this 25k is not within the England team itself. I think that's probably okay. I think the bigger issue will be in the clubs. You're going to have players who are, broadly speaking, getting paid the same amount, but they are not putting it in for their clubs. Actually, this is a problem. This is a genuine problem in clubs. I've spoken to players about it. And there is a almost guilt factor of the international players who go away for a third of the season when their teams are struggling. So if you're in Worcester and you're fighting week in, week out against relegation, previously relegation, and then your captain goes away or your centre goes away for a third of the year, that's a real big problem. And he's getting paid double. He's probably getting, yeah, he's probably getting paid 
more anyway. Yep. At, but playing fewer games and then picking up the international money. Comparison is, I can't remember what the phrase is, but comparison is is it's inevitable, but it is such a negative mindset to have. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, you, it, I, it does it leads nowhere good, well, but it's inevitable. I would say, especially with such competitive people, two yes. things should happen. One, the match fee shouldn't be a match fee. It should be a squad fee. So if you're in the EPS, you just get a squad fee. It just adds on to your club contract. And the second thing, which he hasn't really asked, but I'll answer anyway, is the money coming into the clubs should be even money distributed across all clubs evenly, regardless of how many players that you send over to England. Okay. So so there's no... Which it is. Generally, no. Well, no, because right, they get... fund the, in terms of academy funding. But I know you get no, yeah, not yeah, academy yeah. funding. So there's the academy I know you funding. Get, you get compensated Correct. for the time, so which I think is right. No, so if you have fair. five players, you get paid for three. If you have one player, you get paid for three. And the reason, so, I... so the current is you get eighty k per player for um, disappearing for. England. Well, you get two marks of money. You get whatever it is on the cap an allowance, and then you get a cash amount, and they're not linked. Uh, well, they are linked, but they're not linked. If that makes sense. So, by saying here's a pot of money, everyone gets paid for three players, or whatever it is, because that makes more sense to me. Uh, because you're not trying to game the system then, as you know, in terms of writing writing contracts, putting more England money onto players' salaries. So if you've got five of them, they can't just turn up in your office one day and say, "Hey, can I have my, my England money, please?" I, I know you're getting paid that. Can I have it? It's just because it's across all clubs. And the other thing it does as well is the most healthy situation for the league is not to have eight people from one club. It's to you have... You want the most even distribution of talent. Exactly right. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons there. That isn't the question he asked, but we, did, but we have also answered that. So you get a bonus, bonus question one. that I want to answer. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one from Christopher Reed, which touches on something... Christopher Reeves? Christopher Eid. Oh, right. Sorry. Which was a... It sort of touches on something that you just mentioned, so I thought it would be a good time to mention it. Um... For my sins, I'm a Quinns fan. Oh I found the up and down performances of the team frustrating. Uh, that's just what Quinns do, except for that one year in 2012, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> when they finished fourth, uh, they? when they win, when they win, the they league. won it in yeah, 11. 12, eleven. Was it eleven Maybe or 11. twelve? Yeah, one of those. Did they two. win it and then win? Oh no, George Ford. No, hang on, George Ford. They went. There. They went down in 09, cleaned house, came up, won the league. Oh no, it wasn't 09. Quinns were they, down. They, they in... won it in the playoff, right? They won the, George fi- they won the like, final at Twickenham. Yeah, so George Ford was playing. Yeah. And they won that game. Did they win it in a league, just a straightforward no, no, league no, structure? No, it was a final. Yeah, there was a final. final. They, but have they won it twice or just once? It's, it's just, won, it's won just once. once. It's I just think it's just once. once. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he said, I was sad to see Gustav go. I don't think he was the root cause of our issues, and I think that teams' cultures have a lot to answer for. Having said that, I don't think the coaching setup ever looked right to start. And this is basically the thrust of the question. He says three of the four main coaches were former players with limited coaching experience. So I guess, and you you mentioned the um, connections to the club. Can sometimes too many people involved in the background with a tight connection and history of the club can that be a problem sometimes as much as it can be a benefit? And where where do you draw the balance between the two? So I think yes, and partly because. Rugby's not a static environment. It's a very complex environment that's constantly evolving. And if you don't keep up with the times, if you don't keep up with how things are changing, not just in your league, but 
right across the, the rugby globe and the way that innovation is taking place, you will get left behind. And so the the kind of desire to want to look back to the glory days and instate people into important positions because they had um, they had success in the past is that kind of backwards looking. And mm. the obvious ones are obviously Leicester, perhaps a little bit of Quinns, but also one one of the most obvious ones, not a club level, is Martin Johnson being appointed for England. Yeah, it's one of the most backwards history. looking appointments that that just it symbolises what this question you is. It's incredible though. People in the game today, real high ranking, knowledgeable people, cite Martin Johnson as someone who should be in charge of Leicester Tigers right now. And I think this is Insanity. I mean, he shouldn't even be in the BBC studios, let alone in charge of, in charge of Leicester Tigers. The guy, the guy has something to offer. Of course, he does. He's game. a legend, and he appears. But I, this is hard. Yeah, I, per- yeah. I don't know how much it's. Um, he's sort of taken himself out of the scenario, but it is a shame to see someone with such experience and such gravitas being largely. Not, not. He's not involved in the game. Well, it depends what he wants to do, doesn't it? I yeah, mean, if he's happy he picking might... up lots of money doing corporate dues. Yes, which why would is. you want to re- wreck your reputation? I mean, he's lucky to have the reputation he does after his England debacle. Quite yeah. frankly, and, and to be honest, he probably. I bet you, if he had the choice, if to have been involved as a pundit for the World Cup final in 2019, he would have turned it down because he wouldn't want everyone to see him celebrating. Yeah, when England lost, uh, <laughs> yes, my corporate gig yeah. is still worth the same <laughs> amount of money. <laughs> Ten grand a night. Uh, yeah, I I don't like it. Is the answer? I don't like it when coaches stay at the club which they were a player. At. I think they should always go elsewhere to get their experience and then come back. I don't like it when Stuart Hooper, Hooper does it. I don't particularly like it when the Harlequins boys do it. That said, Harlequins is a rather different club to most others, and I think I've said this before, which is Gustard coming in just was not the right cultural fit at all in fact it really jarred with everybody a, a, a Quinns person could go to Saracens and the Quinn and the Saracens players well, would, would accept them would, would go okay yeah that, that's fine if you got if, if you're good I'll, I'll accept you but I think that we've touched on it a few yeah. weeks ago and it's only then I thought about it you're right Quinns players hate Saris they really hate the Saris <laughs> and the interesting part about this I thought my god Quinns have done well fair play to Dalrymple for re-signing Marcus Smith because that is the sing- single most important signing in the Premiership this year Bonham and he did it without a director of rugby but actually I wonder if he did it because there was no director of rugby possibly and you know there's a situation in the NFL now where Russell Wilson is asking to be traded and I think everybody who watches NFL is saying well I would much rather sack the management before I sack the quarterback. And I think that might have been the calculation that Quinn's looking back at it now. Mm. Uh, same, another example would be the Philadelphia Eagles, not to get too NFL-y, but they, they fired the, the management before they fired, fired the quarterback, mm-hmm. and then they fired the quarterback anyway. I think Quinn's managed to re-sign him because Marcus Smith is that confident in his own ability in a brilliant way. Like He, he, said, he said a little, uh, last, in the last year, he said, I'm, I want to be the best fly half in the world. Mm. And for a young man to say that, I, I love it. I love that he said it. And even in his post-match chat as man of the match at the weekend, he's like, yeah, of course England's driving no, I, me I, and I, hopefully I'm going to get it really soon. No, I don't like that. Uh, the reason I don't like it is because I want him to say, I am the best fly half in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay to have these lofty ambitions. I want him to... St- <laughs> I want him to say... Or, I'd be happy if he said, currently I'm third. 
I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, did you see Bodie uh, hopping on board the LTBP community? Uh, what, was he wearing his tie again? He wa- <laughs> he watched Bath v Exeter and tweeted, stop getting water carriers on at every stoppage, crack on with the game. In other words, he stopped, He just he said everything but let the boys play. Which is what he meant. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. He's also supporting uh, Owen Farrell, obviously. Because yeah. Farrell hates water carriers being on the pitch. Exactly. Refu- totally refuses to play. Yeah. Oh, you see, that's what he was doing. It was it was a very coded message about last week. Even Bowden, even Bowden Barrett was outraged that uh, goes there. See? Correct. Mm. So, Matt Sut- Matthew Suttle. Uh, Suttle? S-U-T-T-L-E? Suttle? Yeah. Suttle. 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 And quite a long email, but effectively asking us for our opinion on the Lions playing on the door on their own doorstep. And I guess his question is: Is it the same? It's not quite worded that way, no. But is it is it the same? And also, you know, do do fans deserve it? If they if they've decided not to travel with them, do they deserve to go and see the Lions? It is a special event. Uh, I think enough people. I'm. Pro- I, I realise I'm in a minority here. I'm a bit of a purist on this one, um, but I can see why it would why it would happen in the UK. And I think there will be enough people that that go. Like, well, yeah, there will be enough people that accept that for all the reasons we've had the last year, it will be okay. But then I'm in a minority of people, seemingly who would have relaxed things much more and not been nearly as authoritarian as yeah. as the government have been. So that, that's probably the two are linked. They're probably the two are linked, actually. There probably is a relationship between how much but what, how much of a wide berth people give a Lions tour in the UK and how... Uh, no, it's not, I'm not getting to that. I'm fine, I'm fine with it, but yeah. I don't like well, it. I'll come to terms with it. My thought yeah. would be, uh, I don't think anyone who wasn't going to see the Lions previously... Or is likely to see the Lions at home. If you've spent an ungodly amount of money going with Lions to Lions travel to South Africa, I'd imagine that you'd be the first on the list to get the tickets for either Scotland, England, Wales or Ireland or wherever the games are played. Probably even got debenture seats at one of the grounds already. Yeah. So the idea that someone who wasn't going to travel is going to go get your seat instead of you, I don't think is going to happen. Combine that with the fact that there might be only 25% full stadiums. You've got, lim- you've got limited supply. You've got pretty much the same demand. You've probably got more demand on top of that because not everyone can commit to going to South Africa, whereas a lot more people than were going have the means to go, if that makes sense. So you're advertising to a bigger pool of people who are more able to pay. I, I can't see, really, that anyone or very few people without a lot of money, an awful lot of money, are possibly going to go to well, a Lions tour. Well, if it happens, let's wait and see what the ticket prices are because I think that will probably tell you a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the ticket prices are exactly the same as they were, except they were none for sale because they would have already been allocated to these Lions tour, Lions travels, the Lions travel people, which is exactly right because they pay for their tickets. Yeah, that's a good point. Someone bought a package deal including tickets four years ago. Yeah. You deserve they, your... They're going to get first dibs on the tickets in the UK. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want those tickets because it's all about the tour. I'd, I'd probably sell them on the, se- on the second-hand market. And then just but, go to South Africa anyway. Yeah, and do you know what? I don't think... People get very upset about second-hand market tickets. If I'd decided to pull out some of my pension money 
or say for four years to go on a tour of a lifetime before you have kids or what, what, whatever the thing is it is it is you've decided to do with your Lions tour. And you're left with this anemic version over in the UK and you've got some tickets. I think they should be able to sell them for whatever the hell that they want because it's a reasonable compensation. So I, that scenario seems fine to me. As in, I don't have a problem with someone who, for whatever reason, can't go, intends to go to an event, then can't go to an event, or the event changes, yeah. resell them. I do have a bit of a problem with touting, basically. And it's hard to draw a line. Yeah, and, and it's hard no to, it's to make it's, it's hard to choose motives. Uh, it, it's hard to decipher motives, because someone could say, hold on, you're, but, you're selling second-hand tickets? Yeah, well... Oh, I know, really annoying, isn't yeah, it? I, I couldn't yeah, go. But they're my tickets. Like, they, they belong to me. But, yeah, touting as well is is an interesting and thing because it arguably, if touts can exist, arguably the ticket should have been more expensive in the first place. They, it's, it's, right. it's an inefficient market. And not only that, uh, a lot of clubs up and down the land, and whisper this because they probably don't, don't, want, don't want to know it, they sell their they sell the tickets basically on the second hand market anyway. Well, there are well there is an official second hand like StubHub and yeah, other places. You've been to a club when they auction them off at the club dinner. What, 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 like what on earth is that? What <laughs> is, is that okay? Is it because we did it in like in the club dinner? Um, I mean, we haven't done that for for example. We would never <laughs> never do, do do that. But yeah, the limit the limit the price limit on uh, rugby tickets ridiculous. As you say, Phil, it should be more expensive, not uh, not less. <laughs> and if you want more seats, build more seats. Yes. In fact, sorry, just to carry on. I'll, on, I'll on build the... you some more seats. Yeah, if yeah. You want just, more seats. Just, yeah, just, just carry on on, on this um, rant. If we charge more, we could build. We could get Phil to build bigger stadiums, and then the price would come down. Lots more stadiums. Yeah. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, I've got, I've got one interesting talking point on something that we have discussed before. So Alex Parsons, hello Alex, says, um, it's often mooted that Tier 2 nations, particularly the Pacific Islands, would benefit from inactive Tier 1 internationals being able to switch their allegiance to another team they qualify. Okay. Sir Charles Piertel, for example. Mm-hmm. So he says, on the face of it, a decent idea. However, could it do more harm than good? Ooh. The law of unintended consequences. His next line. You, have you got a copy of his email no. there? <laughs> next line is law of unintended, law of unintended consequences, and all that. A lot of say Samoans and Tongan players are New Zealand born, so they have at minimum dual eligibility. Safe in the knowledge they could switch over if underutilized, it might push, push them to pursue more All Blacks caps before switching to their um, tier two nation. Um, so they might not. They might only switch later in the day. So because they well okay. now, this is an interesting one. So when, when, when they hit thirties, well, yeah. So he actually says uh, his three points around this are: could you then see more players end up actually making decent careers as regular in, tier one internationals? Which I'm not sure you would because it's a meritocracy. The tier one players, mm. the tier one 
teams are only going to select the best players. Yeah. yeah. Point well, number two, okay. it, it would shrink the the pool of players eligible to tier two tool nations for a period of time if players are holding out a little bit longer. And this is this is probably the the, um, the better point. The average age of tier two players increases as dual eligible ones will only play once their tier one dream is and dead. The, and the problem with that would be tier two players at higher ages when they get into their 30s is when they go for a payday in countries like France, which is when they retire from international rugby well, to get more money for their salary. There is a slight uh, other way to look at this, isn't there? Which is the tier one effectively end up developing your players for the tier twos. So you can get a guy coming through tier ones and it only needs a change of coach or one big tournament on the horizon. And they say, do you know what? We don't fancy you. I think I really want to play at World Cup. I don't know what you could end up with a career like Gavin Henson with hundreds of games under your belt and never have appeared in a World Cup. So that draw of a World Cup alone could mean you switch and you might be switching at 26 and have another six years for your new foundation. I don't think well, it's a bad idea. So Charles would have had at least five years. We, we saw him. He, he didn't because he signed for Ulster just before the 2015 World Cup, I think it was. Yeah. So he, uh, something like 23. He never played for the I All Blacks if again. I wonder he regrets that. I, I know, don't he, think he, so. came, he came to Ulster. Well, yeah, obviously. Have you seen his bank account? No, yeah, <laughs> I know, but many, many years from now... He would have he won a World Cup. He would have won a World Cup. If he'd just done that, if he'd signed that deal one year later, and that is, he would have won a World Cup. And just, you know, I mean, the, the, I don't buy into the phrase, but there's a famous person that... Um, very famous and beloved in Manchester, Tony Wilson... Who? He, he um, set up Factory, Factory Records, Records. Oh. with like the Hacienda and New Order and all of the, all of those bands, Happy Mondays. Anyway, he said you can make money or history. Now I think it's possible to do both. However, taking the thrust of what he's saying, I, I think many years from now, Charles Piertel might sit on his wonderful estate and think. I'd love to have won a World Cup. That's, that's, the, pin, that's, everyone, the, yeah. that's the pinnacle professionally no of what I could have done. No one is ever not going to want to win a World Cup. I think that's fair. Did he not move because he wasn't in that squad, though? No, I think he got dropped because he signed for signed yeah, for Ulster. Maybe. And that this that's why he had the short-term deal at Wasps. Yes, because he right. wasn't going to play for the All Blacks. Therefore, Wasps bridged that gap. I personally would follow the money, uh, much like Carl Heyman did and Charles Piertel did, and many others did. And, you know, the, look at all the England f- football team that have to sell their medals late, uh, later on. It is nice to win it, and I think there are oppor- there are huge opportunities for World Cup winners. Oh, it's hard to say. In terms of the Tier 2 stuff, I don't think the unintended consequences that the listener brings up are that compelling to me. Yeah, and I I agree with that. I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll um, switch the the dynamic for players waiting for that potential All Blacks or um, Australia cap significantly. Taking it as w- one little example, the the, the Ratu Naulango who had a great game for Bristol at the weekend looks a legit talent. He's he served in the British Army, so he you know I, I honest I genuinely believe he deserves. Should he choose to, um, was he asked to go and into an England squad, I think he's earned that right. He's put by virtue of you know serving, yeah, a hundred percent, no question there. However, I'd love there to be a situation where he would want to play for Fiji. 
Yeah, that, well, that's the best. Yeah, that's yeah. the best thing for the game. But I totally understand why. Why? Why would he do that? Well, yeah. Other than pride the, and yeah, it's pride versus money. He could do money. both. And, and this right, he could play a few, for a few years for England. Yeah. He's, 20, he's twenty-nine now. Yeah, he is. He is yeah, a bit he older. needs to play for England. Yeah, but um, Tui Silva and Randranda, they both chose to play for Fiji, didn't they? Yeah. Tui Silva, particularly, I think was was eligible for France. Which would be I don't know what uh, the FFR pay, but it it's more than the Fijian Union. I would I would I believe hazard so. to guess. And I think it was Mark Gitto or Drew Mitchell that said that he is the best player that they that they have played with. He is a ludicrous specimen. He, he is, is so massive and explosive. Yeah, he He's so huge and muscular. But wouldn't you love wouldn't you love the thought that we could arrive at a World Cup and Fiji could legitimately win it? And if if they had every player potentially available to them, available to them, they could legitimately win a World Cup. They they would be close. They, they, they might, might struggle. They might need to do some work in the front, front row. And stuff. They yeah. might need to adapt that. But but yeah, well, I, I well agree. coached and well prepared, they could win, and that would be an incredible thing for the game. So yeah, and I think I think this law, while there are some unintended consequences or this potential change, it would, in my mind, it would give. Um, it would improve smaller that, nations yeah. a better chance of um, competing on the yeah. top table good. so I'm in favour of it good question while we're on the subject of World Cups Thomas Perkart has said why on earth is the World Cup draw done so early it's a good question that I don't know the answer to Anyone I know, know a guy who does know the answer to this but I didn't have time to phone him so I can't <laughs> tell him <laughs> it does seem crazy it, it can it, just, it, can it just be simply logistics? It might be. I mean, it's a big old tournament to organise, isn't it? I'd assume yes, but it doesn't. It doesn't seem like impossible to sort the logistics. Say, twelve months out or eighteen months out. They sell the tickets about twelve months out, so you'd have to be eighteen months out. Yeah, and and if you were an international team and you knew where the fixtures would be for certain pools and which pool you might be in, depending on what uh, position you had, they, they could even draw. Oh no, because that might incentivize people to go up or down world rankings. If they did, I was going to say if they did the draw, but allocated a world ranking position to it. Ooh, not, yeah. no, no, you couldn't do that because that might go like, oh, we'll, uh, we need we need to win by twelve points, and then we avoid Wales and Australia and England in the same pool. Or yeah, or lose by twenty points to the, to yeah. avoid it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yes. So yeah, you couldn't do. That. <clears throat> I don't know the answer, Tom. We'll, we'll look into it. Uh, I have one here from Thomas Povey. And he basically is asking, <clears throat> I must stop saying basically, you know, um, that there is a principle in American sports of giving out awards like most valuable player, most improved rookie, uh, sorry, rookie of the year, most improved player, defensive player of the year, yada, 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 yada. Um, and how would we do the egg, do the egg chasers awards? Ooh. So... Good. Slight, slightly different question, but I do love, and we mentioned it many times recently. I do love the idea of doing a uh, a combine, so uh, bench press, forty yard dash, vertical oh, yeah. leap, yeah, oh, I love that it. kind of stuff. I think would be brilliant. Now that that is a totally different question, and actually, it would almost be like a. I'd, I'd love that as a preseason thing, like um. Halfway through preseason, they have the sevens tournaments, don't they? Which sort of fills a bit of that time. But if if another part of that time was each squad had to send three players that they thought were the, the best, most all round fitness wise, 
and you did some sort of CrossFit type uh, challenge. Fit. CrossFit yeah. is the way forward. This is how you test them now. Yeah, that's a good idea. So something like that, and each club can send three people, and you might have one that's slightly bigger and stronger. Yeah. So you have a max combined deadlift, for someone example, some Olympic lifts, a bit more explosive and, and speed. Uh, uh, the octagon challenge too. Yeah. Basically, you're just describing like a team world's strongest man. Team world's thing. strongest man slash CrossFit Games. Yeah, yeah that so, would be cool as a pre-season event. Well, which would almost be it would it would it would probably be more compelling than sevens. Not that you shouldn't do sevens as well, but it would it would almost tick that combine box. So yeah. interestingly, I like that. When COVID kicked off, I got a text from one of our arch rivals uh, one of talk H's arch rivals saying, oh, it's not one of our arch not one of the egg chasers no, 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 we, no, we no. are peerless we are peerless yes <laughs> um, one of talk H's arch rivals um, I won't mention the team because I might get in trouble and whatnot but it was it was a good idea and he, he was a coach and he was saying do you want to get into a competitive league with us just to keep the boys like uh, interested and the league was running we're just going to you know get all of our scores together and I thought that is not only a good idea it is an excellent idea and what I would do is I would is I wanted to enhance that further so if we have a because we have a forwards day out at the start of every season it'd be great to surprise the lads with something really masculine like oh yeah we're going to do strong man so we're all you know you, you're all giving it the, the big chat because you're in your safe little group but the twist is when you get to the strong man event it's against your arch rivals. Ooh. That would that'd be brilliant. So you'd, you'd show up there and like for you guys, it'd be, I don't know, Macclesfield. Oh, oh, the Macclesfield boys are here. <laughs> Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> and then all like, of a sudden... Anchorman, Anchorman, St- Stockport turn up. <laughs> yeah, Stockport. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think, like, if you were... The, the, the dynamic is going to change very quickly as to yeah. how competitive that... How much fun it is and yeah. how competitive it is. You prick, lift it up. <laughs> so, uh, so the other thing I'd want as well, in terms of an award, and not really, not an end of season award, it would be a weekly thing, and it should be done by the Premiership. And I don't want to go on at the Premiership. I feel I've given them far too much of a hard time recently. Uh, considering they do actually put on some good entertainment, I've, I have given them a hard time. But one of the things that they should do, and it'd be nice and easy for them to do, and they won't do it because I just know they won't. They should do a naughty boy list on every every Monday, rounding up all of the red cards. <laughs> and I don't know, we should have some com- some some comical thing. Like, so um, Dave Damashak on NFL does the list of shame, and every time someone shame. Goes, shame shame shame. <laughs> And we should have something, some sort of a barracking. Well, let's do it on but, our channel. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. The list the list of shame. We can't call it the shame. Um, the list of shame. But we can think of something. The Hall of Shame. Uh, well, maybe, maybe incorporate that little um, Game of Thrones bell. Yeah. Shame. Shame. <laughs> Ding. Bang. <laughs> shame. Yeah, yeah, the naughty boy list, I, I think, is a, is a great... It's a great thing. It's the, kind of th- it's the kind of thing that NRL would do. It's the sort ha- of thing I would... NRL released a promo. Yeah. And, like, three of the events were red cards. At, at least. <laughs> There's, like, massive concussions <laughs> from that yeah. that highlight, the four-minute highlight reel. Oh, brain injury, everyone's, yeah. and everyone's cheering. That's a massive hit! They're, well, yes, it is. They're celebrating their sport in, in the way they want to. Uh, the, the, the awards I would have, uh, one for... And I would judge this one, best quads. And I would also, yes. ju- I would also judge... Players' girlfriends, or play- 
<laughs> it's a fair category. <laughs> what does the uh, judging process involve with that one? Tim? Just, just, just aesthetics. Thorough, just a no. Like it would, Instagram. It would, it would, yeah, it a thorough examination of Instagram in terms of. Uh, the content of what they have to say and how, yes. how like, powerfully like, they make their point. Yeah, like Miss World. Yeah. When you've, yeah. got listen, you've got to listen to five minutes of their drivel on, on climate change. <laughs> that's that's the stuff. I, that's what I was talking about. That's what yeah, I had yeah. in mind. Yeah, exactly. But uh, quads, quads, one hundred percent best quads. Wilco, Wilco Low wins that one at the minute. So yes. Thomas uh, Thomas Povey, thank you very much. Um, do you want a detailed one? Uh, so go on. Here's an interesting one from from James Parrott, and it. it um, oh, I know this one. I, I know, know I like James Parrott, good guy down at Exeter. So it relates directly to something we were t- we started to talk about. But we didn't really have the full detail on on the, at the end of the last pod, which is F1. Oh, it's a good one. This no, don't give us that one. Don't give us. We're going to use this. that one next week in the actual podcast. Okay, because it's a CV. It's a really good uh, one. Yeah. CVC. So he gives he gives a very detailed analysis of what CVC did to F one um, across its history. From look, checking at the dates from uh, two thousand six to twenty seventeen, mm. it looks like. So yeah, that would be in- interesting to um, discuss at a later date. I've got a very short one. If you don't want a long one, oh, yes, yeah, please. On. Entitled Stuart Lancaster Leadership Masterclass. Oh, God. <laughs> I've watched the promo video for this. Go so on. This, this is uh, Alex Priddle, who says, absolutely love the pod. First thing I listen to every Monday, without fail. What, what Tuesdays are we, are we wasting our time? Every Monday and Tuesday. Good man. Without fail. Uh, and he said four years ago it made me get back into rugby after stopping due to injury, and he's now a level seven referee. That's awesome. Ruining people's weekends every Saturday. So well done, Alex. Because yeah. refereeing this, and, and, is... And, and, yeah, thank you, Alex. This is why I can get away with the high shots so that other players can't. <laughs> refereeing is... If I had the time, and I'm, I'm sure I will do later in life, actually, I will be a referee at I some stage. I can only imagine. <laughs> um, so what he says is, I thought this would be of interest to you for a laugh following the recent Stuart Hooper leadership discussions at Bath Mr Lancaster is now promoting his unique leadership programme on LinkedIn needless to say I'm signing up as we speak (laughs) keep up the good good work thank you Alex it's it's on offer for £99 at the minute because I've I've this is a great read a couple of yeah I've read a couple of his um, I've read a couple of his like leadership posts and kind of thought "Ah, I'm not getting anything out of this but I did. I listened to him with Chris Jones. He did. Chris Jones did a great. Um, Chris Jones BBC did a great interview with him about twelve or eighteen months ago, and I really, really enjoyed it. And you can see why Lancaster is such a good coach. But I also got the feeling as to why so, it didn't quite work for well, England. One thing I did like when I watched the promo video uh, for that leadership course is just the general thrust of what he said he's he seems like a very humble man in the sense that he's basically gone do you know what i've learned i've learned more out of the out of the um so your progression isn't a, a linear isn't a straight mm. line no it's not he said yeah. lot, and i've learned more it's a bit of a cliche but i i believe i think he was being totally authentic he's learned way more out of the the, the failures than, yeah, than anything. That, that's, that's and you can really see that with the way he's bounced back from England disappointment yeah. to, Leinster, to Leinster. Right, so. Where they love him, by the way. Mm. I, I'm, I'm sure they do. I'm sure that they do. So, my thinking on this, twofold. Number one, maybe what he's selling is does not appeal to me because 
I'm kind of steeped in rugby, and it doesn't to me sound particularly unusual. Uh, you, some- you bought his book. You you literally bought what he was selling. <laughs> yes, that is true. I did. I can't remember how much it cost, but I did buy that book. <laughs> it is here somewhere. It's here. House of Lancaster. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm just not convinced on the on the culture stuff. I'm particularly not convinced on the culture stuff when. You know, if you came from Saracens or if you come from uh, Leinster and you have all the be- all the greatest players, there, I, there is a lot of correlation causation stuff here. So I don't I don't know about that. But there there again, because I've been in rugby for so long, listening so many of these guys speak, maybe other people do get do get do get something out of it, and they will find something useful. Um, I'm not entirely sure that these guys are great leaders. I mean, they're great coaches. I don't know if that if I don't know if that's the same thing. How would you quantify if someone is a great leader? I mean, would he be able to be parachuted into the top of Talk Talk and run a telecoms communication communication firm? Could he do um, I don't know track and trace for the for the NHS? I mean, what exactly does is this leadership transferable, or is it just about putting cones out and having technical knowledge about about the game? Uh, my, my suggestion would be the answer is yes. It is absolutely one hundred percent transferable. Really? Yes. Because you would, so you would like. St- I mean, in the same way, you can be a fantastic leader on the pitch, but you might not be a good coach because you don't have the. Well, le- leader on the pitch is a bit different because you're in a situation where you're you're duty bound to yeah. play rugby union, mm-hmm. so you have to be a good enough rugby union player as well. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Bill Gates' leadership experience would translate for, to him being a particularly good number eight. For example, yeah. Would Bill Gates? Do you think Bill Gates is a good leader? That's, that's, I, I don't know. A, He's a, just the first first guy. Jeff Bezos or Elon yeah. Musk. Let's assume like that. Elon Musk is a good leader. Yeah, I, I could I could should go with we, Elon we, Musk as just being go a good leader, is, right? He's South African as well. He is. Yeah. Could he coach? No, a rugby well, team. No, but okay, so you'd have to differentiate between a leader and a coach. Obviously, he know he couldn't coach. Okay. He wouldn't have the technical knowledge. However, some people. And I'd say Stuart Hooper is a perfect example of this. He is, he's actually, his role. Stuart Bath, Hooper is the worst example. No, 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 no. no. Of this. no he, he's an example of someone who occupies this role. And Martin Johnson did it for England to give another example of someone who didn't do very well. I'm listening. No, wait. And um, Warren Gatland, another example. Okay. Actually, the position he occupies, he doesn't do any coaching. Mm. He stands there and watches everything that goes on whilst the coaches that he's empowered to go and deliver his overall vision. Go and make it happen, yeah. and he and he and it's it's like a C it's like a CEO at a company, actually sets the vision, keeps everyone on track, hires the right people, and actually it's the MD who's a, who would be the head coach under a DOR that does the day to day work. Which is interesting because of course Stuart Hooper is now a coach underneath the DOR, so I mean he's been the top Stuart Hooper. Sorry, Stuart Lancaster. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Um, yes. So I think I, so other, I think Stuart yeah. Lancaster is a is a coach and his technical knowledge is exceptional i think it's exceptional and his yeah. way of de- and his track record of developing individuals is exceptional i'm not saying as, I, as yeah. in, in the dor ceo type role big vision get everyone get everybody buying into it and keep everyone on course maybe that's not his role so, and so he's found a good spot. i'm definitely not saying that he's not a good leader i'm not saying that i'm just saying i'm very suspicious of people that brand themselves as a leader uh, you know it, it could be true it, it might be true. It might not be true. I always sense there might be a bit of grift there, unless you've actually. I, it's hard for me to to explain without sounding without sounding too cruel. No, and I I know what you mean because so I get a lot of kind of leadership training at, through work, and 
a lot of it, or certainly there's a perception from me that a lot of it, grift is the wrong word, but a lot of it is trying to teach people unteachable skills, like things that are yes. situational based or have like can only be intuitive based on your emotional intelligence and your reading of a situation. You're giving someone a toolbox, but actually the, and a great leader is the one that knows which tool to pick out at the, at the, for the right yeah. job. Yeah, yes. And that, that's a really good point. And that, that is something, um, some, some very interesting literature about Olympic gold, Olympic multiple gold winning, medal winning coaches that I read fairly recently where they were able to move from it was like task focus to individual focus along that spectrum and at times they would be totally like emotionally alert and individual focused and other times they would be actually quite harsh and totally task focused and less good coaches would sit in kind of one camp or the other whereas the best coaches would move depending on the situation between those two and multiple other yeah. uh, personality traits depending yeah, on the, si- exactly the situation. Right. So, yeah, I mean, just think about this. I mean, it's not the same point that Phil's making at all. But like, I think of a guy like Ant Middleton, who's obviously been in the news recently. I am absolutely 100% certain he would be an inspirational leader if I was stuck in a wood somewhere. Yeah, that's exactly the guy that I want to be having leadership with. I also don't think he's going to be a fantastic leader if he's going to have to head up a team of laissez-faire uh, cancer um, cancer researchers. You know, they're just. You know, I don't see how that leadership transfers from one to the other. With Stuart Lancaster saying, "Come look at my leadership course." If you, if your intention is to run a sports team semi successfully, and then slightly more successfully under somebody else, by all means do it. Where it baffles me is when bankers and insurance bods and uh, construction executives. All log on to Zoom and think, oh, what can I learn from Stuart Lancaster? And I'm not entirely yeah. sure that you can the, do that. The one that really, I've mentioned this before because it, it, does, it does wind me up a little bit. It, the one that gets me is Legacy, um, James Curdy, the book on the All Blacks, <laughs> yeah. which has been, it's been used in lots of, I know lots of um, big businesses that have referred to that. And very senior people in big businesses who've referred to, oh, it's amazing that the All Blacks sweep in the, the change room. That shows what an amazing team they are. It's like, no, you just, you're just picking something that that team has done and like, trying to link it causally to them being amazing on the rugby pitch. It's, it's total nonsense. <laughs> they are good, play, good players and an amazing team for lots of other reasons. One of them is not the fact that they sweep the change room. <laughs> Jonathan Liu who I'm not a fan of. <laughs> no. Yeah, really not a fan of him. But he absolutely skewered Saracens, and it was quite funny, because he's talking about Saracens selling the Saracens way, lead, like leadership course to city folk, <laughs> which is great, <laughs> except for the salary cap infringement. Like, if you but, behave like that in financial services or accounting, you'd probably be going to jail. There's no salary cap in financial services. Yeah. Hire the best talent. Maybe that's the motto. Maybe that's all they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Just hire the best talent and you will succeed. See these rules? We ignored them. <laughs> to, to use a tangible example of your, um, you saying moving from task focus to individual yes. focus, I think Alex Anderson gave a little window to that recently because obviously he's he's there on the training ground and he's driving the pack and he's the main man looking after the forwards at sale as well as having a holistic view. But then there was an article last week about him spending a day going for a walk up oh, a God. hill with Manu Tuolangi. I mean... <laughs> 
I'm not a fan of that. I know, so I, I am. You're not a fan because of the deal I, of him, I, like his one of his so surprise I am. assets, no, not, not playing, at all. going for spending an afternoon going for a walk no, in the countryside. It's a complete waste of his time. Well, this is the point, though, because he it could be might another be, bottle of Malbec. Yeah, it could be. It could be three Malbecs deep. Really good personal relationship. Well, so this is this is where I think it becomes really interesting because I would suspect that that approach would not work for maybe eighty percent of that sales squad. But if Sanderson is so in tune with that squad and he identifies the the few players that it could work and the correct time for it to work and then applies it, then that is that is incredible. Maybe. If if that is the Maybe. case. It but, could just be totally wrong. But you you know, as any farmer will tell you, you don't give the animals names. Like <laughs> he might have to cut Manu to, to Alangi next year. Manu to Alangi might find himself in a situation where he rekindles his love of hanging out with Denny Salomona. And before you know it, they're in a taxi down down to London, parting <laughs> it up, then coming back, and Sanderson's got to sort this out. And, you know, it could... It, I mean, this isn't a far-fetched situation. I think it might have actually happened once. <laughs> what, on right? the, on, and then he's got to say, right, you've got to go. But yeah. what about the walk, boss? I thought I thought we bonded. No, but I, I, think he, I think he could say, you're gone. However, looking back at his time at Leicester, clearly, loyalty... Is very very important to Manu Tuolangi. Yeah, yeah but he had lots of offers and he stuck around at Leicester, not always for more money. I, I mean, it's a lot of money. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't. Charles Piatow it. He yeah, got off. He yeah. got. He didn't go to the highest bidder. Look, I'm not saying that he should. I just would call. I would approach these situations with a lot of caution. If you're in charge of someone, and you might need to sack them, uh, and he's an older player too. It's not like he's going to be good forever. An injury-prone older but, player. But Do not take him at mountains. <laughs> well, that, that, there is a health and safety risk there yeah. with uh, Manitou Alagi climbing a mountain. Yeah, just uh, Look, um, I'm, I'm going to reference a scene in Moneyball where the, uh, I think Billy Bean just goes... You got to fire them, and how do you do it? Will you just be up front with them and and uh, and tell them? Didn't build any personal relationship. With any relationship I, I, I love with, hard knocks. Like with the squad. I love the um, the NFL hard knock series for exactly that because yeah, you see these new recruits come into training camp, and then the conversations are so matter of fact. Yeah. Sit, take a seat. We're cutting you. Hand in your binder. Best of luck. Best of luck. Um, if you if you need anything, ask the desk. They'll get you some numbers. All, all the best. Yeah. I've, got, I've got someone else to see, so Can I just, off you go. I, I say this question, right, about the, the walk. I, 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 obviously, huge fan of Alex Anderson, yada, yada, yada. What does it tell the other team teammates that don't go for a walk who equally value um, who equally value personal attention and loyalty but are just not that important? It's not necessarily not that important. Like, So, well, I can, in my job, my boss has lots of radio presenters. Uh-huh. You're the best. Uh, That's different, isn't it? He oh, tells you you're the best. Yeah, you're, you, you are the man who are virgin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has lots and lots of radio presenters. And I think... And again, I'm, I'm, I don't mind saying this uh, out loud. Um, I think one of the things that I am valued for is that I'm very low-maintenance and, and can, can be left to my own devices. And I think if I were more high-maintenance and needed the constant reassurance or needed more input then i think my boss would give it to me but actually i don't i, I so exactly everyone's in everyone's different there are people yeah. there are people that i've worked with in the past that would it would wreck their head if someone else had uh, went out for lunch with the boss yeah. and they and they hadn't had a call in, yeah, in, in a few weeks I mean, there, there might be someone that is really really good and he just doesn't really want to say boss i really like mountains and walks and well, m- maybe sanderson is 
trying to find out who those high maintenance people That's are. It. He's, and he's, he's going he's to yeah, he's going to cut them immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sanderson is, is playing four D chess. That's wow. clever. That is clever. Wow. <laughs> That's why he's still got the necklace on. He's waiting. First person to say. Shouldn't you change that to a shark? Right, gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, or, uh, do that walk. We never went on a walk. It was a trick. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> he did He did um, a, what's the name of, um, Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, I only told one person that I went on the walk with Manu Tualagi, and that person was Robert, Robert Dupree. It's Rob Dupree. <laughs> yes. I propose, because we've got so many more emails, I propose we actually hold on to the ones that are in our hand that we haven't dealt with. I've, I've got... Unless there's something pressing. Let's have a look. Uh, thank you, JB. So, thank you, JB. I'll tell you what I've got. So, so Dave Payne and Jack Bullen have both solved the Premiership uh, Jeopardy um, oh, issue. Excellent. I will. I won't go into them in detail right now. However, I will just mention Jack Bullen... Who says on a totally different love, lo- a different note, with your obvious love of Negronis? I wonder if you've ever tried a white Negroni. What? Which Never. is replace Campari with Suze, S U Z E, only mm. available in France, and a white vermouth instead of rosé. It's horrible, but that doesn't seem like it's ever stopped you. That's <laughs> Excellent. So I've got four more, but I'm just trying to. JB, thank you so much for everything you do for me. <laughs> JB, we love you. There was, there was a pile of last week in Brexit um, emails. <laughs> so, uh, right, I- I'm making an executive call, right? Because we've had two and a half hour pod already. Let's quickly focus on the Six Nations, which is still happening. Oh yeah, put the start, put the stuff down there. Thank you to everyone else that sent the message. Have we, you? No, they're the ones I haven't read. You haven't read. You threw the ones away yeah, that you have read. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. the wood chipper. In the wood chipper. So, the, yeah. They're so, dead. These are these are four long, uh, sorry, three long burn, okay. which we will, we will get to. We'll file those away and get to them. Uh, but we are contacteggchasers at gmail.com, so give us your thoughts as well, because some brilliant starting points and some brilliant stories. How, and How long have we been? We've been going... One hour 20. One hour 20. Bloody so, hell, right, yeah. yeah let's, so, let's wrap it up. So Six Nations then, this weekend, we've got uh, England playing France. We don't know the teams as of yet. We'll find that out tomorrow, I guess. No, no, Wednesday. Yes. So tomorrow, as you listen to this, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, maybe even. Yeah. Um, um, it, it sounds like he might uh, Eddie Jones might make some changes. Uh, I I actually potentially yeah. Yeah. Because uh, do you know what? I don't really care what the result is. Now it doesn't. I mean, no, that's wrong. Because there's no yeah, relegation. Okay. So would you choose England grinding out a win of any kind against a really good French team at Twickenham, or losing? But blooding loads of players and, and playing a different style, loosening up. What would you go for? Um, I'd probably take the, the grinding out a win. Yeah, of those actually, two options. N- having sort of sounded like I was going a different direction. Yeah, I, I, I thought I you were going totally the other way, but no, I, I agree a, win, a win is a win is a win, particularly against France. Um, Max Malin has to start fallback out of the squad that's, that, that he's got. He's got to make a couple of changes. Yeah, Max Malin's would be one. It'll be interesting to see because I think he will make he will make minimum changes, but he will make two or three. Um, he might go back to a single ten because Ollie Lawrence was obviously retained mm. with the squad, and so was Doggers. So was Doggers, yeah. Um, he, I mean, he could even I, I wouldn't do this, but he could even move daily to thirteen. Um, but then I I would definitely keep Slade. I mean, he could play daily and Slade. 
Hmm. So I don't like the noises coming out of England at the moment. I don't like what Eddie Jones said, I think, today or yesterday, which was we don't just change the team around because we've had a bit of a down a downer, and I think that's exactly what you do, actually. He said that a lot of the young lads weren't ready yet. I don't know how they become ready. You've got to only look at how you know, Scotland implemented playing young Cameron Redpath and God knows how many other people who allegedly wouldn't be wouldn't be ready. And players are ready. Opportunity is equally as important as raw talent. I have no doubt that Eddie's got what he thinks is are the best players, the so-called test match animals, but they also give him a very convenient way to say, oh, well, we lost because we don't have enough test match animals, or we lost because they're not quite ready. And the lads are ready. You've got to throw them in. You've got to throw them in. Eddie Jones said 70% of... He imagines that around 70% of the squad he currently has would be the squad at the 2023 World Cup, which doesn't seem unreasonable. The, the age, Two years, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the age yeah. profile of the team that got to a World Cup final was the youngest team to get to a World Cup final ever. That's impressive. And that's what everyone was saying off the back of it, really disappointed about the performance of England. But largely the same squad could be in France in, in uh, four years' time, <laughs> is what we were saying. And I think that... and I So I'm not, I don't find that 70% unreasonable, but of that 30%, that he's imagining will come in, yeah, you've, you've, we've got to start seeing them soon. Soon, haven't you? Yeah. Very soon, yeah. Soon. Yeah, they've got to actually play at some point. Yeah. And so in a couple of key positions, I think fullback is a crucial position for England to develop. And I think that's... Uh, I think it would improve the team to... It, well, it wouldn't necessarily hurt the team to have Max Malins in. So I don't think it's about just chucking people in. I think it's... Uh, it, the thing with Max Malins, it's not even clear to me he is a fullback. I mean, he can play fullback at Premiership level. He can play excellently at pre- Premiership level. Ten and twelve as well. But yeah, he's just an amazing attacking player. Yeah. Whereas Mike Brown is uh, is more like a well, he's in the same mould as like Lee Halfpenny. They are out and out positional. And, Fre- and Freddie Stewart's more like him. Yeah, maybe Freddie Stewart's the way forward. Someone like that because I think if you're going to talk about how important it is to be ready at international level. The place you could get exposed potentially the most is at, is at, is at fullback. The kicking games are so good. You need someone who is more than just a really talented attacking player, possibly as Elliot Daly is finding out. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't think he will. I think he will make a few changes, but yeah, because Elliot Daly, I think, I think it'll be something like something minor, like he might start Gendry again, or he might start LCD again. I think it will be Malin starts fullback, Earl starts. In the back row, and I mean, who was the second? Um, that might be it. I've got a feeling he might go back to one ten. And Lawrence, uh, yeah, Malins, Ma- Lawrence, Earl. I could see those being the changes. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I'd, I'd, I'd also like to get, um, well, anyone really other than Ben Youngs on the pitch. Um, <laughs> Robson, Randall. One of those words, because Randall's not been released, has he? Is, is he injured? He's injured. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. he's hurt. Yeah. So, Poor Randall. Yeah. Um, I do have some, some 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 news, some important news, actually. Cool. Um, so, Basil Jet, Mr. Basil Jet, Yes. Super guy. Yeah. Is actually related to the other Basil Jet who created Big Brother. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that there was another Basil Jet who created Big Brother. Worked for Endemol in Nether- in Holland, then. Oh, Christ, did you not bring that up? No. No, so, bloody, someone on Twitter brought that up. 
Yeah, brought up that there is another Basil Jet. Yeah, there's another Basil Jet, and he created Big Brother. And he is related to the to the, the actual Basil Jet. To actual to Basil Jet. But it's jo- only... Sir Joseph Basil Jet. Yes, he's peace about Basil Jet. Oh, I know the guy who um, brought it up as well. Damn it, I can't remember his name off the top, off the top of my head. How annoying. Um, so, the question now is Cornish Pirates Basil Jet related to these two? Yeah, in a long line of great Basil Jets. Now, it is such a rare and unusual name. Is it French? It must be. It, it must be. It's. I don't know, actually. Great such British. a cool name. It is a really cool name. So I've seen it written down, but I would you, never you would know not it pronounce was Basiljet. Yeah. If, if I had the name Basiljet, I would grow a moustache like Phil currently has. Well, I, I would, <laughs> that, it, would, it would demand a, a moustache. Well, well Sir, Sir Joseph Basiljet's moustache is oh, that's incredible. Magnific- magnificent. I, wow. I now regret not doing that. It's a pretty, <laughs> yes. pretty dark screen. but So some of the stories of the old Victorian... Um, brilliant people of which there were many many uh, and most of them well i'm not saying most of them yeah yeah all of them were pretty much in the construction industry were men or like all the engineers but the things they would do i was listening to one about a guy who who pioneered tunneling because obviously i think brunel was into tunneling at one point and his trick was to get a weight not brunel the um the cornish tin miner which he got to show him how like how to tunnel and I don't know how hard this is, but it must be bloody hard for him to mention it. Get a weight on a string, attach it to his hand, and then use the same hand to write his name on the ceiling. God knows why he would do that, but I love the fact that that is a thing that he would want to show off. So, so explain that again. He's got a weight on a string. Yeah, so you've got a weight on a string, and you put it around, uh, I assume, your thumb. Okay. And then use that same hand to write your name on the ceiling to demonstrate how strong you are. Or is it to somehow... St- Make you write more accurately when you're on the ceiling. Definitely Does not. The that. Weight, no, it wouldn't be that. Would it? Well, I've got a 16 kg yeah. kettlebell and some <laughs> yeah. string. If, if, if you want to try it after <laughs> the podcast. So, so Gaudi was famous for building string models, wasn't he? Yes. So Gaudi, and because if you put weights on strings, they, the way that they will hang is the mirror image of an incredibly strong arc. So you, he would effectively ah. build upside-down models by connecting string from two points multiple times wow. and then hanging weights off the different strings, which would create this incredible upside-down 3D arch structure, which he would then mirror ah. to create his incredible um, buildings. Some clever people. There are some get a, clever people. See if, I can get a, yeah, you know, if you spend any time read, reading about Victorian engineers, my word... My word, I mean, you can't imagine building rail. I mean, the the Brunel railway line between Bristol and London is so it's so flat and straight. They've not needed to change it since. If we'd only kept this, if we only kept this at his seven foot gauge, we would have no overcrowding problems whatsoever. So there is, oh, wow, <laughs> basically an upside down string cathedral created wow. by Gaudi. So that that's kind of my wow. That is r- remarkable. Let's see. Again, small picture, but that's... So you can actually see the detail of the arch structures. Oh, wow, yes. And then he flipped, hence, wow, that's incredible. Do you know, it's times like this that I just I just reflect on the fact, and I never get carried away with myself, I just chat shit for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I just talk. I, I, I literally shuffle people's pensions. Paper, pension paper. I'd never see the money. I just shuffle papers. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. 
Uh, what are the games we've got this weekend? What are the other international matches? Wales are playing somebody. There you go. Italy, isn't it? Wales, it's Italy, isn't it? Scotland, or Ireland, Scotland. Ireland, Scotland, yeah. right. Let's go to that one. Um, great game. That is going to be an absolute... Scotland, Scotland Island it is so yeah. it's at Murrayfield so and uh, there's no excuse for the bus to be late this time <laughs> this is going to be bloody bloody close I mean it's hard to yeah I can't you'd think Ireland would want to be more would want to be more physical they've probably got a slight advantage in average skill but there's no two ways about it Scotland have got the advantage in outright skill mm. you know, if you've got lads like Hog and Hog Russell, and Finn Russell I yeah. got no one of no one of that level, and I include Johnny Sexton in, in, in that list. Johnny Sexton now, Johnny Sexton three years ago. Yeah, uh, well, he wasn't. He was a different level of skill, but he was player of player of the year, world player of the year three years ago. I honestly don't know. I honestly can't can't call it. I think it's going to be one of the closest games in the tournament. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this as well because one of the things that you mentioned there, and I think Ireland will probably want to win this is they will back themselves to be more physical than Scotland. But England backed themselves to be more physical than Scotland, and Scotland got the upper hand on them. So that's yeah. not a that's not a done deal. No, it's not, because their back row is ferocious. They've got um, Johnny Gray, who's pretty good now. They're just good. Now, one of the problems that Scotland will have is a few of their guys were out playing in England this weekend. So guys like... McGuigan, Maitland playing in the championship. Hogg was playing. Johnny Gray was playing. Chris Harris scored a try. Chris Harris was brilliant. And combinations of those players will be um, incredibly important. I didn't. I didn't actually check whether Finn Russell played for he Racing. Did, did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So you got some of their well, some of their most uh, yeah. important players. But again, I'm not even convinced that these are good arguments. They didn't play the week before, though, did they? True. True. Yeah. They will have had a rest week. Yeah. So they will have played, then had a rest week, then played. But yeah, so I think yeah. that'll be all right. Even even if it's just the getting up for the game, the physicality, just the travel, it, it kind of takes it out of you. A uh, I am going to go Ireland, however, by four. I really want Scotland to do because mm. the last few years have kind of felt like Scotland. They should be actually pushing for the tournament as in they should be close to winning the tournament. And they should be this year. They're, they're good enough to be um, competing. So my heart's telling me go for Scotland. My head's telling Ireland will sneak it in a very narrow win. But give me Scotland. Give me Scotland by three. Mm-hmm. And then predictions, England, France? France. France. Viva la France. So they didn't play last week because of COVID. Oh, it's almost too perfect for them. <laughs> it is now, the French camp and, yeah they've got Vakatawa they've got Untermac yeah because Untermac's back fit isn't he mm-hmm. um, the French camp will be interesting because Gautier has been uh, he's totally been... totally supported by his I would support him he's doing by... well he, he's doing great stuff isn't it I love the difference between how the French handled it Compared to how the English would. Could you imagine? It. Oh my good god! I mean, we would want blood immediately. It'd be yeah, God knows what rugby twist would make up. It's irresponsible, uh, and it is irresponsible. But frankly, I'm not that. Obs- I mean, we don't know for the fact that the COVID came from him. We just don't. We do not know that. I think. I think they've now admitted he was patient zero. Well, they don't I think know Laporte. That. 
I think Laporte has a, and, and even it. and even if they do, I mean, I just don't know. Um, <laughs> I think if if the FFR, the the who tried to cover it up by blaming mm. three separate people initially and then have now said it, yeah. I think we can probably but say. How it, would you know that? How would you know the cleaner didn't bring it in, or how do you know like the postman didn't bring it in? They're or, in a bubble. Yeah, you know, it, it's not that he might not be patient zero. It's the fact that oh well, we must link it to him watching his son playing rugby. There are some. I just can't get angry about someone who wants to watch uh, some play rugby. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not, not. I know you're not. I'm not angry about it. But I think it's. You, wait, wait, I, don't I, raise your voice then. <laughs> I think it's fairly conclusive. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm glad that he's still around, and I think that they, that they will win. I'll be wearing my France top. <laughs> on the weekend. I think France will win. Is it Swickenham? Not that that means anything without crowds. Nope. Um, I think you from. don't know if there's any hangover with the squad from being ill. We don't know how, how many actually suffered with it's it. Fair point. It's fair point. Do you um, know and whether it's a, affected their training? Here's a serious point on yeah. rugby and, and, and COVID. I'm still amazed that we haven't heard. We've heard so much from the RFU about ooh, limit contact, limit this, limit that. Be careful. Only groups of, of two. Heard about one dear wall this week, who wrote basically to his clubs and highlighting how when they came back to training they were using swimming pool noodles is like you know to make sure they're not touching each other i think grow <laughs> up that's I what mean, england have been doing for years johnny that's why johnny may is one of the best wingers in the world because of true. pool noodles but like just just come off it <laughs> the one thing no one's discussed because i think it's a little bit controversial is fat people die of covid you know, it, well, it, it, there's been quite a lot of headlines this year. Yeah, I mean, that is an actual thing. And it's a horrible, horrible thing. It's not a nice thing to think about. It's certainly and linked. It's, yeah, in our sport, there are a lot of people that are overweight. And the lower down the leagues you go, the more likely you're going to find them. And the lower down the teams, the lower down... Sorry, the lower down the teams in the lower leagues, the more the more you find. That, to me, sounds like an area where if they were going to give patronising advice as to when you come back to play... It should be based maybe on BMI rather than you know, twi- no. As, as long as no, if as, it's going to yeah, be. if it's going to if be, it's going to be. Actually, the smart thing to do would be to Nothing. go if it's identified as a genuine risk factor. Work out to what degree. Give people the information and let adults be adults. Uh, you don't need to be pre- pre- preached to me. Yeah, so. I know. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm fully aware of uh, of that point yeah. of view. I'm just saying if they're going to give us lo- if they're going to give us lectures. At least based target, on something. Target the lect- yeah. yeah. Know who know your target audience. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so JB, you're saying France. Tim, are you saying France as well? I am, unfortunately, saying France. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to therefore say England. Uh, Come on, England. What? You've got to do something. You got to. You can't let me down again. By uh, how how do they win it? Uh, just be good. Just just be good. Just, do, just do good things. Do good things. Yeah. 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 I think France beat them up. I'm going to enjoy it. It's, that's what I'm worried about. England without ag- big courts there to let you lay down the law. Yeah, and see how you win it. My problem is, or my concern will be that England try again. They still not go over the hangover of the South Africa um, World Cup final. They try and beat up France up front. They obviously can't beat up France. They can do it tiny bits in small um, small patches, but they can't do it over an 80 minute game. And therefore, they don't get field position. They don't get. Um, control of the ball they don't get possession and they end up giving penalties away again and again for stupid mistakes and doing what they've done basically the last two games big bonus though big big bonus no French referee yep <laughs> <laughs> as Colin says England will get melted <laughs> and then anyone predicting uh, anything other than a 20 point Wales win no no no, no. 
at least. Yeah. So uh, there we go. Uh, thank you very much. A reminder, uh, um, contact eggchasers at gmail.com to email us. Go and subscribe to our YouTube channel and see some of the videos we're putting up there and get involved there. We're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. We're patreon.com slash eggchasers. Thank you for supporting us. And we, we forgot to do it this weekend's podcast and today. Next weekend, we will give away the jersey. And then also, um, who won last week's Negroni? Yes. Oh, yeah, I've got my little random number generator yes. here. Yes, so to we, go. We, will, we will get that done. Uh, and we will get that in the post to one Patreon follower. Thank you very much for that. Uh, he's at JB Moore. I'm at Cocker. Phil's lurking in your DMs. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.